Do you like to binge watch TV? Did you know you could binge listen to podcasts? Head over to electronicmediacollective.com where they have podcasts for days. You like podcasts about wrestling? They have that. Do you like podcasts about TV and film? They have that. Do you like podcasts about horror? EMC has that too. Do you like comedy? Do you like books? Guess what? They've got you covered. Head over to electronicmediacollective.com Pick your favorite podcast today. Hi, this is Greg Berg, the voice of animated Muppet Baby Fozzie Bear, and you're listening to Moose. And look, here's Fozzie now. Hey, 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 what do you get from a guy with too much time on his hands? Bull spit with Moose. Waka, waka, waka. <laughs> hey, Paul, look over there at the size of that moose. Son, that's no moose. That there is a pile of bull spit. Welcome, Moose Pack, to another all-new episode of Bull Spit with Moose. I'm your host, Moose. Today we're doing our first human interest piece, and I couldn't think of a more interesting human than today's guest. So without further ado, let's introduce the very lovely Miss Nicole Mitchell. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Moose. Oh, it's my pleasure. I mean, just off the bat, like I mentioned when I reached out to you, your story really kind of grabbed me because it it read like, when you first see it, it reads like a tabloid article. And listeners, mm-hmm. if you're not my age or older, that could read as clickbait um you know tabloid and paper that's things we used to read (laughs) you know i mean like i think the first headline i read was former pastor turned stripper i'm like what (laughs) you know and it it just it sounds like something straight out of the tabloids Mm -hmm. and and then you dig into it and you're like oh shit this is real and there's more to it than that and it, it it really is about at the center of it yeah, that's the attention-grabbing headline, and everyone who puts that out, they, they do a really good job. They get your attention. At its heart, at its core, your story is that of finding your happiness, finding what makes you happy, and when you wake up every day, you want to go do what makes you happy. Don't You don't want to not necessarily hate what you have to go do, but you don't want to like you know dread going to work and stuff like that, and that that's really what struck a chord with me. It's like she's she found a way to go be happy. And I wanted to talk about that journey and how that all transpired. I love that because for me and and here's a challenge I find with a lot of people and I, I'm a life coach as well and I serve life coaching clients is I think something worse than a life that you hate is a mediocre life when you know you're meant for more. And that's so tempting and easy to get lulled into a life where it's good enough. Make okay money, got an okay house, I got an okay life. But there's something in your heart. There's this ache or this yearning or this longing that tells you there's more for you. You're capable of more. You deserve more. And it's the brave who are willing to, like, trust that inner knowing and go forth and try to create that for themselves. And that's very much what my story is about. I had a good life. It was good enough. And yet something in me said, but is this what I actually want it to be or is there more? And I listened to that whisper of more and trusting that if I left everything I knew, that there was still happiness for me on the other side and not just happiness, but purpose and passion and more money, more opportunities. And it was terrifying. It is always terrifying to leave what you once knew to be true for the unknown. But at the same time, the unknown is where the magic happens. And that's the case for my story. Well, exactly. And see, and that's what what doesn't get across in these headlines is while, yeah, a lot of them are like, you know, pastor turned uh, adult star, which honestly, I, I, I take umbrage with because, you know, I follow you on Facebook, I follow you on Twitter, stuff like that. And, you know, unless you have some stuff buried in your OnlyFans that I don't follow, it, it, it strikes me more as model than uh like a, adult star because i mean it nowadays you hear adult star you think porn and stuff like that 
but you're a model who does life coaching and you're making money as a model. You're making money helping people reach their level of happiness. It's funny because like you see these articles go around and it just it comes across as like really dirty and you kind of dig it. It's like it's not dirty. This this is really I mean, there's something to this. Totally. I consider it holy and sacred. Like, it's so easy to call it dirty. And it's like, it's so pure to me. It's so beautiful. It's so true. And you see that follow me on social media and you see like my clean energy around it. I'm not hiding. I'm not rebelling. I'm not, I'm just being me and I'm happy and I'm, and I'm public about it. And it's inspiring to a lot of people. It's triggering to others. But yeah, I definitely don't think there's anything dirty about it. Well, and I mean, even your, like all your photo shoots are masterfully shot just from, you know, a, a photography sense of, you know, view. I mean, it's, and that's why I lean more towards model. I mean, it's not, you're not out putting out porn. You're, you're doing like any other, like if somebody were out modeling, these are the shots that they would be putting out. Mm-hmm. So it, it's interesting that you, you get labeled this like adult star when <laughs> somebody else doing the exact same thing gets labeled, you know, like nude model or lingerie yeah. model or, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, and I have to wonder if that's because you have an OnlyFans with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and- yeah, totally. And I appreciate you noticing that. I'm very particular about the photos I take. I, I, I want it to be classy. I want it to be taste, tastefully done while also being extremely sexy. And I create erotica. I make really gorgeous erotica videos. Um, most of them of which are not on my social media because Instagram and Facebook don't allow it. But it is it and people can call it porn. I don't call it porn. I don't view myself as a porn star, but it to me, it's art and it's erotica, which is its own unique category. But, yeah, if you just glance at my story or you glance at my like OnlyFans content, it's easy to like write me off like, oh, you're just this. But you spend any amount of time in my space and my energy in what I create. And, you know, there's so much more to it. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, your life centers around your love for your kids mm-hmm. and i mean hell you're one of the few people i know that are divorced that still can talk uh with feeling good feeling about your uh ex you know so i mean th- there's definitely that positive vibe that you know it- it's you're not putting out a fake vibe no i'm very intentional about the, like about the words I say, but even more intentional about the life I create. When we were going through a divorce, we all hear the horror divorce stories. And I was like, I don't want that to be my story. If I like, if I can have my divorce go any way, how would I want it to go? And that's what I leaned into. I didn't look to other people's examples who had horrible divorces. I didn't look to worst case scenarios. I tapped into how do I want it to go? How do I want to experience this? How do I want my children to experience this? And did everything in my power, my, my ex-husband did everything in his power to focus on the good and what we were doing for each other and doing for our children and doing for our future. And it was an incredibly beautiful experience. Yes, super hard. I think divorce is always hard, even when it's amicable. But the way we handled it, I'm extremely, extremely proud of us for. And I'm very grateful for my ex-husband. He's a good man. But something I'll add on to that is like, this something I'm really intentional about is no one has to be wrong for you to know what you need to do next. It's very easy in a relationship or partnership to be like, my ex is this horrible human to to justify why we broke up or why I left them or why I'm so miserable. But what if no one has to be wrong? What if the most loving thing you can do is release them, whether it's your partner, a friend, an acquaintance, a coworker, what if that is the act of love? And in, in doing that, you're setting them free. You're setting yourself free and it's a win for everybody. So I've had no desire to paint a bad picture of my ex because it's not required for my story. I don't need a villain to be happy. I don't need a villain to be successful. I get to be happy and successful because I get to be happy and successful and no one has to be made a bad guy for that to happen. You seem to go with more of the uh, definitely take control of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, don't let others, you know, control you. If, you know, if you want to be a model, go be a model. If you want to be a dancer, go be a dancer. You know, basically just do the damn thing. Yes. You know, and 
and, and it's it's so weird that we have gotten so far away from that mentality that you actually have to have people to tell you to do that these days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that's why I do what I do. It's it's interesting because we we live in a world where, and I think this is natural, where parents have dreams for us. Friends have like an idea of who we are. Society tries to pin us into these molds or identities or boxes that we kind of are push and pulled in every direction to be a certain version of ourselves. But once you become an adult, you have to, or you have the opportunity to take that power back and say, okay, but is this who I want to be? Is this what I want to be doing? Is this what I think I'm capable of or all I'm capable of? And like tuning out the noise of everyone, our parents, our grandparents, our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors, society, religion, all of that and saying, but what do I want and who do I want to be? And having the audacity and the courage to become that, especially when it's very, very different from what everyone wants for you. And it's terrifying and you think you're crazy and you're afraid of failing. And that is when the benefit of having someone in your corner, a life coach, a a mentor, someone specifically in that role to hold you accountable to your becoming, to becoming everything you are capable of becoming, doing what you actually want to do and making it. Otherwise, there's just so much pressure to stay where you are. And what I want for people is like, don't settle for what you think you can get. Go for what you believe you are capable and worthy of, which I believe is everything. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it sounds like such a cliche, you know, reach for the stars. But damn it, you really have to. You know, if you limit yourself to, you know, just, oh, I think I can do it. But do I really want to try? You know, and... I'm guilty of it as well. Uh, when I first started podcasting, um, I started with a horror podcast. And uh, I was telling a couple of my friends, you know, I was like, I think I want to do a horror podcast. And we'd uh, kick the idea around for a month or so. And they're like, well, just do it. You know, just start doing it and see where it goes from there. And now I have two podcasts starting a third one, you know, and I've never had more fun in my life. Oh, that's so good. You know, because I get to interview, I mean, I'm interviewing celebrities, interesting people, I'm sitting down talking to you about super positive stories. I mean, it's, it never would have happened without that kick in the ass. And yes. that's what people need is just <laughs> that, you know, just that light kick in the ass to say, you know, thinking about it's one thing. But just go do it. Now, the caveat to that is have a plan, but still go out and do it. Because if you just sit and think about it, 10, 15 years from now, it's what your dream is going to become a, well, what if? And then it's too late. Yes, you have to do the damn thing. Like we all start with zero subscribers, zero followers, zero dollars. That's nothing to fear. That's something to embrace. We've all started with that. And you're not going to get the followers or the subs or the money unless you go first. And that's one of my favorite definitions of leadership. It's fuck it. I'll go first. Like we all want someone else to go before us and do it for us, but no one can do what we were called to do. So you creating your, your podcast is like doing something you love and then you're connecting to amazing people. And like these people get to share their stories and it's a win for everyone. So anytime we honor those desires of our hearts, it is a win for everyone involved. So it's not something to fear. It's something to embrace. And like I said, that's part of why I, I had to reach out to you because, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I read, you know, I read your posts. I see the stuff on Instagram. And it's like, you know, the, the story's got to get out more than just pastor turned adult model. I mean, the, the, there's mm-hmm. got to be more. I mean, I know they say no publicity is bad publicity, but fuck that. You know, I mean, and you you have a, a pretty good number of followers. So a lot of people know what you're about. But you also have the people that follow you. They're just like, oh, you're hot. You know, which I guess can be expected. But, you know, with somebody with your positive outlook on life and as as a life coach and somebody who's helping people to just do the damn thing that should be the focus you know cuz i mean you know i'll admit first time i read the uh headline 
I, I'd laugh my ass off. I was like, hey, stripping preacher, you know, that's, yeah, you know, that, that's great. You know, and then you dig into it and you're like, well, that's not what it is at all. Mm-hmm. It's like, There's so much who the more. hell wrote this? <laughs> <You know? laughs> they know what they're doing. That's for sure. They know how to get the clicks and the views and the, the ratings. Oh, yeah. But yeah. And I appreciate that about you, Moose. I appreciate when people are willing to go deeper um, and willing to see beyond what's just initially presented. And that's what I love about my people, not only on social media, but even my OnlyFans. Like, yeah, you get super hot content. Like, that's all real. And I love creating it. And also... You get substance, you get community, you get connection. Like the conversations we have in my OnlyFans is amazing. It's sexy, it's hot, but there's also deep conversations around like leaving your family's version of you, the version of life they want for you, Um, leaving your religion or telling that person you like them and risking asking them out or starting your own business or how to make more money. Like we're having deep conversation in a very super sexy wild and free container and i feel like that is so representative of life where like all of you is valid your desires are valid your sex is valid your dreams are valid your your money is valid and we talk about it all we address it all it's all welcomed here and i feel like it's such a unique space where my people my fans can bring all of themselves to the table and not have to be compartmentalized and it's incredible it's unlike any other space i've ever been a part of well, and you really capitalized on the, you know, marketing 101 and just basic principle, you know, sex sells. So, mm-hmm. you know, sex sells and if you got it, flaunt it. So you, you take those two and you use that to market your message. And yeah, you open up an arena where you can have those conversations <laughs> and it since you're comfortable with yourself it lets the people who are coming to you kind of let their guard down a little bit and yes you know take your advice a little bit more to heart than say if i'm not given relationship advice you know i might tell you how to you know keep a suggest how to keep a marriage alive because i'm in a pretty good marriage that's pretty rock solid I'm not telling you how to go out and meet women. I'm way out of practice on that, (laughs) you know, but it's somebody who's in that arena who that's their, you know, ball game. That's the Mm -hmm. advice you listen to. And when you're, you know, what you're doing is really no different than anything like TV or anything like that has been doing for years. You know, you're using your natural beauty and your sexuality to help spread your message. Mm-hmm. And I don't see, you know, I honestly think that's the best way to go about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very, it's very effective. And I think there's like, and I love the way I go about it. Like, I think it's totally legit for a lot of models and OnlyFans creators I know, or they just, that's, that's it. That's the end all be all just sexy content and being hot. That's great. I want both. I want sexiness and spirituality. I want hotness and hard topics. I want it all. I want to be fully embodied, fully expressed. I want you to be fully embodied, fully expressed. And, and it's a win-win. And because I see sexuality as a good thing, sensuality, sex, all of it is good. Then you can use it for good. You can use it to amplify your message. You can do it to reach people. Like, it's a tool. And I use anything and everything I have, my energy, my presence, my personality, my body, my desires, my dreams, to convey my message and to reach people and to leave an, an impact on this world and to make beautiful content And it's amazing. And I think it pushes back on a lot of like um, old and outdated ideas on sexuality in America where we still have so much sex shame and body shame. And like it's just all that's all imposed on us. And here I am just fully clean about it, fully open about it. And people don't know what to do with it. And I love that because I'm pushing back on people's expectations of what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a model, what it means to be a mother and making people rethink the way they view women, they view mothers, they view the world. And I think that's like deep, deep work I'm a part of, and I love it. So, yeah, you're, you're burying it all 
yep. you know, body, mind, and soul mm-hmm. to help other people. And now, I mean, it'll get interesting as your kids get older, especially with your son, because, you know, he'll have those friends that be like, hey, you know, I, I saw your mom. You know, so that'll be a fun conversation when he gets older. You know, hopefully by then society's changed a little different. Totally. I feel like 2020 made everyone a cam girl. <laughs> like, yeah. We're on Zoom calls. We're on Skype. We're all doing virtual work. And I think it's normalizing. I think sex work is becoming a lot more normalized. And I think I'm excited for my kids. I'm excited about my son because he's going to be raised in a home, seeing a woman in her wholeness, not just as a mom or just as a sexual object, but a whole being. So when he decides to date, if he's straight or if he's queer, I don't know, but whoever he dates, my hope is he'll see the wholeness of their humanity and can appreciate all sides of them, their sexy side, their serious side, their risque side, their respectful side, and treat them as the human of dignity that they are. Um, because I live very integrated life. I, very, I live a very open life. I don't live in fear or shame or partly closeted. And I think that's going to do so much healing for my children and for the world. And I'm excited for them because of that. I definitely look forward to seeing how, you know, following the story as it progresses in the future and how, you know, how the uh, kids' lives turn out and everything. Because, yeah, with somebody as you know, open and honest to life as you are experiments the wrong word but Mm. it 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 does kind of feel like a social experiment with your kids Mm. you know to how how will they grow Mm -hmm. up you know being in such you know this kind of non-restrictive environment that everybody else is like pigeonholed into you know yeah. And I think the reason it feels like an experiment is because the norm is repression. Yeah. The norm is secrecy. The norm is suppression. And like, I think that's where toxicity and like extreme behavior happens is when you're raised in a home or an environment where everything's black and white and everything's taboo and shh, we don't talk about that. And I think a lot of health happens when like my kids know they can ask me anything. They can say anything. They're allowed to like bring all of themselves to the table and I'm going to hear them and I'm not going to, my reaction isn't to punish them. My reaction is to be curious. Oh, like what makes you think that? Or where'd you hear that? Or tell me more. And I think there's just so much healing there and health there because there's nothing hiding in secrecy. They can bring it into the light. And I think whenever we bring something into the light, it dissolves shame and it sets you free. And yeah, sadly, that's not the norm in our society. And I wish that was more the norm, but until it is, I'm doing the best I can, like we all are as parents, to navigate the path of raising children to be authentic to who they are, who are also wise and smart and safe and trusting themselves on their own journey. And kind. Yes, and kind. Mm -hmm. Which we are, you know, as a society, sadly and severely lacking. Yeah, it's so easy to judge. It's so easy to dismiss, to dismiss. And again, that's why I appreciate you, Moose, because my story is very like bipolar. You can either love it or hate it. But for people like you who are willing to lean in and be curious, there's so much to discover and there's so many connections and there's like a friendship or relationships to, to happen when people are willing to lean in instead of judge and pull back. Well, it, and like I said, it was such a rabbit hole to go down. I mean... You read it on the surface, and like I said, it reads like a tabloid article. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're used to reading those, and you're like, there's no way this can be true. So then the first step is, okay, is this a true story? Mm-hmm. And then you find out the story's true. And then the story's true, but the headline's misleading. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, you're diving deeper down the rabbit hole to find out that there's a hell of a lot more than what was presented. And you're just like, holy shit. You know, and uh, I was talking to my friend about this when I first read the story. I was like, you know, this is, you know, it's like I'm oddly obsessed with this story. I mean, it's, you know, it's very, it's a touching story. It's, you know, it's not a story about, about being a stripper it's not a story about 
being nude. It's a story about finding your damn happiness. Yes. And that's yes. what people seem to be missing. Mm. Yes. Like, it's, it's less about the details of the story and more about the principle. Like, I always tell people, if I can make this big pivot in my life and come out on the other side happier, healthy, and wealthier, my hope is it gives you the courage to make whatever pivot you're facing in your life and know that you get to come on the other side happier and healthier, wealthier. Because we either have this belief that either... A, it's not possible for me to make this pivot in my life because I'm terrified and people will reject me and it'll ruin everything in my life. Or B, I'll make the pivot, but I'm not going to come on the other side happier, healthier, wealthier. I'm going to come out alone. I'm going to come out unloved. I'm going to come out struggling. And so this is why I'm very open about my story and I'm open about the money I make and the opportunities I'm given because I want to show people when you follow your path and you trust yourself and you become who you came here to be, yes, it's scary, but oh my gosh, it's so rewarding. It's so worth it. And there's so much waiting for you on the other side. And I hope by being a public living demonstration of that, more and more people will follow their path, their truth, their calling, their happiness, and find that everything they wanted and more was always there on the other side. Well, and that's right. why I really wanted to do this, because you're right, that stigma is so bad in society. I mean, people are so afraid to take that first step that, there. I mean, there's so much untapped potential in people, people who want to be musicians, people who want to be artists, who are very talented, who are just, well, I don't know if I should pursue this. Give it a shot. You can't be worse off than you are right now. You can only go up. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you start broke, you can't get more broke. What I, and this is a great point, Moose, because people are always like, I'm afraid of failing. If I go after the stream, I'm afraid of failing. And I'm like, but are you going after it right now? No. Okay, so technically you are failing. So why are you afraid of that which you're already experiencing? You're not afraid of failing. You're actually afraid of success because with success comes change. You're going to have a bigger exposure, bigger impact. You're going to make more money. And like change is scary to us even when it's everything we want. So we think we're afraid of failing. No, because you already are technically. We're actually afraid of succeeding and the changes that come with it. So part of my job as a life coach is to reassure and talk my clients through why the changes that are coming is everything they want and they don't have to dread it they can welcome it because as long as it's something you fear you will stop yourself from becoming and doing what you're called to do out of safety and protection but you are safe you are protected you're going to make it the changes that are coming are exactly what you want i promise go and when people, when they, when my clients finally make that leap of faith and they start getting the money they've always wanted to make, they get the publicity they've always wanted, they're getting the recognition they've always wanted, they find the love they've always wanted, the only regret they have, and this is true of like all successful people, the only regret the, the most successful people have is, I wish I had done it sooner. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this and you've been ha- having this thing on your heart telling you to do something, you've been waiting and waiting and waiting, let this be your sign. Do it now, because you're only going to regret and wish you had done it sooner. Well, and that that's about the principle I applied to when I'm, you know, as I'm looking for guests for my show, I know when I reach out to people, you know, and I'll swing for the fences. I know the worst they can tell me is no. So if I know that going in, I'm not up for any disappointment, really. I mean... If I get a yes, great. Uh, but I know the worst are going to, I mean, I'm not going to get a response back. You know, hey, go fuck yourself. You know, yeah. it's going to be no, not interested or just not get a reply. You know, so yeah. knowing that going in, step up to the plate, take a swing. You're not going to get the yes that you want if you're not willing to ask. Exactly. And how much do we miss out on simply because we don't ask? And even like, this is a silly, but true example. So as you can imagine, I get a million DMS a day and I read through my DMS almost every day because there's like, like this opportunities to be on podcasts or casting producers, or there's all different opportunities in my DMS. So I read through them and 99% of the messages of people who are writing me are writing from the energy of she's never going to see this. She doesn't care about me. 
who am I? I'm a fraud. I'm an imposter. And when I read that energy in their message, I don't actually want to respond to them. Because if you don't believe in yourself and if you don't know what you have to offer me or if you don't have something that you think will make us like be a good team, I'm not going to waste my time on you. It's the 1% who message me confidently, kindly, briefly. Hey, Nicole, I love your story. I'd love to connect with you, whether it's like a podcast or whether you're trying to reach out to someone to ask them on a date or this or that. Let me know if this is something you'd be interested in. That kind of energy catches my attention every way because there's not desperation. There's no neediness. There's no attachment. There's no insecurity. It's just this clean, confident offer. And so whenever you do anything, whether you DM someone or you start a business or you apply for that job or you ask that person out, do it from the energy of confidence, of kindness, of clarity. Don't do it from the energy of, well, this isn't going to work anyway. I'm probably going to fail and they're probably going to say no and they're going to reject me. Because you're just going to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. Believe in yourself. Know what you have to offer. Know that what you have to offer is a prize to someone else. And you'll be surprised at all the good things that will happen to you as a result. Well, and I think it was Gretzky said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, truer words have never been spoken. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you got to take the shot. That's all there is to it. End of the day, you have to take the shot. Take the shot and take it with the faith that it's going to work. Oh, yeah. So we, we've talked about your story. Let's actually get into your story. Uh, okay. So you started out as a pastor. How did the change from, you know, guiding in religion to guiding to life coach, like, walk me through that journey? Yeah. Well, not necessarily me because I've read the paper, but. <laughs> yes. No, I love it. I actually had a client face tell me he started out as a fan of my OnlyFans and he became a life coaching client. And he said, he's told me this before, but he's like, I'm going to say it again, Nicole. You're going to lead more people to God by taking your clothes off than by keeping them on. And like, it's always a good chuckle, but he deeply means it. And I get it because there's a level of like this authenticity and legitimacy behind who I am and what I say, and what I offer that you can't deny it. And I love that about my work. So whether I'm in the church or outside the church, I feel like I'm still bringing meaningful content and conversation and connections to people just in a completely different way and format. But yeah, the church was my entire life. I always identified as Christian. I was super in love with Jesus. I loved scripture. I went to seminary by my own choice because I just wanted to study scripture more and have a better understanding. Um, and dreamed of being a leader in the church, which even that itself was a a scandal for my upbringing because I was raised in a denomination where women are not allowed to be leaders. Women are to have babies and make food. And so for me to want to be a leader was already like a, a big, wild, not okay thing to do. But I found myself part of a church where that was allowed. And so I joined their mentoring circle to be part of their preaching team. I got chosen for the preaching team. I'm preaching at my church regularly. I'm involved in all areas, the nursery, youth group, teaching adult classes, preaching on the weekends, like living this dream life on paper. But the higher I rose up, the more I was like, is this it? Like, I feel like I could be making way more money. I feel like I could be reaching way more people. I feel like I could be saying more about what I really want to say because it's really censored in my church than I am right now. And like just began to question and reflect, like, is this what I want for myself? Yes, on paper, it looks like I have everything I want, but something in me is like crying out saying there's more for you, Nicole. There's so much more for you. Um, And there's a lot going on behind the scenes. I was becoming really disillusioned with the church. I was becoming really disillusioned with the version of Christianity that had been passed down to me and just questioned everything and ended up deciding to follow that voice into the unknown, leave everything and just figure out who I am and what I really want to do. And I didn't know at first when I left the church in 2017, I later left my faith um, a few months later. I didn't know what was on the other side. I was willing to find out though. And it's just been this long four year journey of coming home to myself and finding out, yeah, there was more for me. I, I was meant to reach more people than what was inside my four walls. Now I reach I don't know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people around the world. I'm in news articles. I'm on TV. I I have a global presence in social media. Um, I'm making way more money than would have ever been possible in my church. I make more in a month than I used to make in a year. Um, 
and I'm and I'm fully me. I get to say whatever I want to say. I get to be whoever I want to be. I get to wear whatever I want to wear or don't wear, and <laughs> it's all everything I want. Um, but it it took the risk of me trusting that voice inside of me and being willing to leave everything I knew for something unknown. And it's led me to this point in my life, and I'm so happy. How did the uh, family take the change? Really hard, as you can imagine. Um, my family and my friends, because my, my entire life was wrapped in this religious identity of being Christian, a good mother, a good wife, a good girl. And then for me to break free and become a free woman and embodied and expressed was against everything I had been taught. And so it's really hard. I've lost some of my best friends. I've lost family members. Um, it's not been an easy journey. And I, like, I grieve it. I grieve those relationships because I still feel like Nicole. I still, f still feel like the same person. I just do different work and they can't support it. They can't get it. They don't understand it. And so I have to be willing to release anyone who isn't willing to support me in my life. And it's hard. Um, and at the same time, it's been worth it. Because in the releasing of these people, I've called in the most incredible humans in my life who love me for me, who support me, who believe in me. And that kind of community is worth everything. It's exhausting staying in a place where the people around you doubt you, question you, judge you, shame you, blame you versus a space where people love you and support you, look out for you, encourage you, believe in you. And so while of course I wish it's my family and friends who could be that support system for me, most of them can't be just because of our background. They're religious and they have their ideals and their values and they're very different from the ones I have now. So I had to release the, these beautiful people in order to call in my next people. And these next people are amazing. Well, and it was a, double whammy for you if i'm not mistaken because it wasn't just shedding the norm I, I use lightly of christianity um but you also came out as a member of the lgbtq community at the same time <laughs> so you're breaking against you know the christian norm and coming out as someone who's not straight and I, I, I can't imagine the backlash from you know family and friends for of people you know just who have that just just that mindset of this is how life's supposed to be, and that again quoted Christian mindset of you know love everyone unless you're ex you know so. That had to be a hell of a journey yeah. in, in the <laughs> initial days when you first decided, this is the road I want to take. It had to be a rocky road. Totally. Yeah. No, I appreciate you no noticing that because I think there's a lot of people who just take a cursory glance at my life who are like, oh, she's an idiot. She apparently doesn't think about anything. And it's like, actually, I've had to do a lot of thinking a lot of processing, a lot of deciding, a lot of crying to be able to get to this point. Because I, I did. I had to abandon everyone's expectations of me, everyone's ideas of me to come home to my truth. They all knew me as a good Christian straight woman. I'm like none of those things. I'm not Christian anymore. I'm not straight. So far, I still identify as woman. But I, so much that identity I shed in order to come home to myself and it was, it was like coming out as queer, leaving the church, leaving the faith. Um, it was a lot. And which is why I understand why people from my past couldn't come with me on this journey because it was too much for them. It was a lot for me um, navigating that. And my circle became really small, really, really fast because it was just such a big transformation. And now I'm in the season of where I'm like growing. I went really small and I'm getting bigger, more love, more support, more friendship, more connections than before. But it was not easy getting here. Not at all. Well, and one of the other things I noticed in reading your story was your husband at the time. You know, you had mentioned that that first year, you know, he, he kind of kept it to himself, but he was worried that 
you know, after you came out to him that you were going to leave him. And that, that, that kind of struck me a little bit because that means that, that struck me as he's a really good, caring guy. Um, because most guys I know when presented in that situation would have been like jackpot, you know, but he's more worried about, oh, where, you know, where do we sit as opposed to, hey, hey, my wife's by, we can, you know, have some fun. I know a guy like that, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> um, and, you know, that, you know, that, that was another one of those parts of the story where I was just like, this, this is nuts. This is, again, too good to be true. I mean, this guy, he's sitting on it for a year, and his initial reaction isn't just, hey, party time. It's she's making these big waves in her life. Holy fuck, am I next? Mm-hmm. You know, so it had it had to be hard on him. And, totally. You know, and then you find out that he's been holding this, you know, reservation for a year and that eats you up and it's like, well, shit. (laughs) So it goes to show that the importance of communication in a relationship. Yeah, totally. I, yeah, I remember that. Like I remember when I realized I was queer and we were about, we'd been married seven years at that point. And I totally thought I was straight this whole time. And I remember the one person I was not afraid to tell was my husband because I knew he would be so supportive and not just in a sexual way just like he loves me for me and he wants me to live my truth and that's exactly what happened when I told him so I had no idea that for the whole next year that he was living in this fear of like am I going to lose her is she going to leave me for someone else and like when he told me that my heart like broke because we've always been very open and very honest with each other and yet like you said he was just trying to like be a caring man and like he was trying he wanted to make sure I was happy even at cost his own happiness like he wasn't willing to tell me his fear so when he told me I was like oh my gosh babe like I'm so glad you said something because I don't want you to carry that alone and no that's not my intention at all and so we went even deeper in our relationship when he was willing to share that fear of his um and even now like we're divorced and I but I wouldn't say I left him and I wouldn't say he left me it was a very mutual decision of like what's the most loving thing to do in situation and even though it's one of the hardest things we've ever done I do think it was the most loving thing we did um but long before our divorce came about there was like really beautiful intimacy about turning inward to each other and like sharing our deepest fears sharing our deepest desires and cultivating a relationship that could handle all of that yeah I I was curious about the divorce but that's that's private I don't need to dove into all that um yeah i think the only thing i'd say about that is i think i was surprised at when i announced our divorce at how many people had opinions about what i should do with my marriage and it's so funny because the only people who know what to do with their marriage are the two people inside of it they're the only ones who know i don't care if it's your pastor your parents your mentor your best friend your neighbor no one knows what actually goes down in your marriage except for those two people and so you really have to trust yourself as part of that marriage unit to know what is best for you guys even when there's a lot of pushback on what you should do or should not be doing, how you should go about it. And I think honestly getting divorced is one of the hardest, bravest choices people can make. And when someone tells me they're getting divorced, my first response is compassion and support. And like, how can I support you? I'm here for you, I love you. There's not a judgmental blow on my body. There's no sense of you failed. There's no sense of like what a horrible human you are. And so like when people gave that to me, like seeing me as a failure or like I'm a horrible person, I was like, wow, like this is not how I view anyone going through a breakup or separation, divorce. And so I hope like by me being so public with my divorce story is a model for how you can go about divorce. It can be done really beautifully and amicably if you so choose and if it's possible if both partners are on the same page and also that you can trust yourself even when a lot of other people have very different opinions. Well, I say that's the... uh flip side of the double-edged sword that is social media. I mean, we can connect with so many people, but on the other side is those same people that we we connect with feel that they have input on our lives. 
And that is the human condition now. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, you're right, it's insanely weird that strangers, not even just people you know, but strangers will offer opinions on how people should live their lives just because they think they, I mean, even as open as you are, I don't know enough about you to say, hey, you should do this. Thank you for recognizing that. Everyone listen to Moose. (laughs) Yes, I love that. Yeah, I mean, there are some of my friends I don't know well enough to say, hey, this is how you sh- this is how you should proceed. I mean, I might make a couple of recommendations that, you know, if I were in their shoes, this is, might be the route I would take, but not, hey, do this. You know, I mean, th- th- there's definitely a fine line between offering advice and saying you shouldn't get divorced or get divorced and go get somebody else and stuff like that. You know, it's like just shut the hell up. You don't know my life. You don't know what's good for my life. They don't know what's good for your ex-husband's life, your kid's life. I mean, there's so many people involved in this decision. It's not just one person that's affected. And that's what people don't seem to realize is it, it affects a lot of people. So it's not a decision that's – I don't think anybody just wakes up one day and says, ah, going to get divorced you know exactly (laughs) so it's not like it's a decision that's made on a whim so yeah the the thought that people can just oh yeah you know and just throw their opinions in that just seems bizarre to me but that is the downside to the social media driven world that we live in yeah everybody has their opinions yeah and they have to be heard yeah. And so when people give me their opinions, I always internally think you need to start a blog so you can just share your own opinions on your own wall. But like when you come to my space, this is my space. This is my life. These are my rules on how I get to live life. It's not a place for you to air your opinions, or your beliefs. That's what your space is for. And I appreciate Moose that you realize that. And I think it would serve everyone if we all realize, and this is something I, I tell my people is like, I don't know what's best for you because you're you're a pioneer in your own life we're all pioneers no one has lived your life being you in your situation ever before you're the only one so the only person who's going to know what to do do in your situation is you and even my job as a life coach isn't to give people their aunt like here's the answer my job as a life coach is to point them back to themselves back to their inner knowing back to what they feel is the right thing for them because at the end of the day i trust you to make the best decisions for you and your situation. I trust you. You're a grown-ass adult. Do what you feel called to do. You can trust yourself. Actually, a pretty good segue because next I was going to ask how the uh, how your life coaching sessions go. <laughs> yeah, I love it. All working out. Typical uh, life coaching session, you know, about how long do you work with someone? How, you know, like where do you start when you're helping someone figure out how to get back to themselves and where they're headed. Yes. Oh, I love that question. It's like one of my favorite things to do. So most people either find me online or they're referred to me by someone who's worked with me before. And they usually sign up for six months or a year to work with me. I've had my longest client is two and a half years. We're still working together. Um, And it comes with a weekly hour long call every week and unlimited support in between our calls via messaging. And what we, what we do in the first call is like figuring out what you want, not what you think you, you should do, what you might be able to do, what you can try. What do you want? If anything was possible and you had no self-consciousness and the whole world was cheering you on and believed in you, what would you actually want? And I have found over the years that I am sometimes the first or the only person that my clients have told their deepest dreams to. Like I, I was the first person in space where that was allowed, welcomed and encouraged. And that's where, like, I want to make $10 million in a year, but isn't that crazy? Who does that? Right. Or I want to completely leave my job and do this instead. But what my family's going to think I'm crazy. Like they tell me these deep desires that they have shoved down, rejected, judged, been afraid of. And here we bring them into the light 
And I'm the one who gets to tell them, oh, that's completely doable. Let's go. And then I start helping them create that and make that the reality. And so when people ask me what I do as a life coach, I honestly just say I help people's wildest dreams come true. Things that they didn't think was possible, things they thought were unachievable, they achieve in a really, really short amount of time. They accomplish really, really fast. People's 10-year goals become one-year accomplishments. So we speed up the whole process. And this is why I have clients where most of my clients go on to work with me long-term indefinitely because they just get crazy, amazing results. And that is the norm, not the exception. Um, so I work with all kinds of people. I work with doctors, artists, actors, um, activists, um, CEOs, entrepreneurs, stay-at-home parents, all above. I work. My youngest client is 19. My oldest client is 55. I work with all kinds of like genders um, and people from the LGBTQ community. Most of my clients are people of color. It's incredible the diversity of clients I work with, and yet they all across the board have their wildest dreams come true. It's phenomenal. That's a hell of a success story. Yeah, it's incredible. And I have like to back up my what my what I'm saying is I have an entire Facebook album called Raves and Reviews, where it's just testimonials from my clients and results are getting in their lives. And it's so like all the evidence is there. It's not me like to my own horn it's the truth and so that's where people will read the results and they're like oh my gosh i want that for myself and then that's when they reach out to me and it's it's amazing well i mean i could probably do this all day so but we both have kids to, to take care of yes. so before we wrap this up where can listeners find you sign up for life coaching classes if they so see fit yes Yes, great question. You can come to my website, NicoleMitchell.com. Nicole is spelled with a K, N-I-K-O-L-E. Mitchell is M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L. NicoleMitchell.com. You'll find all my social media there. You'll find my digital courses on there. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook. I'm all there. I'm super active on Facebook and Instagram. Come say hey. Come read my posts. Watch my stories. And if I can support you in any way, if you want to take one of my courses or work with me one-on-one, you can either reach out to me on my website or on social media, but come say hi. And listeners, that link will be in the episode description. You can find me and other great podcasters at electronicmediacollective.com or on Twitter at Moose Media Inc. Nicole, this has been a blast and exactly what I was hoping for. Just you know, getting to dig deeper into the story and like I said, push past that pastor turned stripper stigma because I, I knew it had to be more than that. Yes. Thank you, Moose. Thank you for researching that and having me on. This was amazing. Oh, yeah. And, you know, maybe uh, sometime next year, get you on again, see how, you know, see how life's going, see where everything's at. And love it. Thanks again for coming on. And listeners, there's a lot of good podcasts out there. Unless you heard it here, it's probably just a load of bull spit. So <laughs> until next time. Take her easy. Ooh-wee, that sure was some bull spitting, but I sure had fun. Junior, you need some help. Be sure to tune in next time. 